0: We uh, continue uh, a series of sermons called Redeemed Love, and 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. You know, we, we, we discuss it quite a bit at weddings, and you've heard two wonderful sermons preached by Jeff and Laura talking about the nature of love and what love is not and what love is. And today, in the midst of the series, we'll conclude this part of it by um, reading the last part of this great chapter. But we have more to talk about in in the coming weeks as we talk about how love is being redeemed and the the nature of love is something that we're going to be sharing about. So before we read uh, God's word, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and proclaimed, we may hear with joy, what you would say to us this day. Amen. Here now the word of the Lord is found in First Corinthians 13, starting with verse 8. Paul writes, Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they'll come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it'll come to an end. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when, we, when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, as I said, we, we're in this midst of a series called Redeemed Love, and, and we're talking about how our notion of love sometimes is so influenced by uh, the, the notions of the world, and that it's based on emotion or on our feelings. And as we, you've been hearing us say over the past several weeks, it's a lot more than that. Love is about all of who we are. And it's about something that we grow into. And, that, and that's what Paul's talking about in, in this letter. In, this, in these verses, you know, he, he talks about the nature of love in the terms of, of what it means to grow and mature in love. You hear him say, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but now I've put aside childish ways. And all of those words that we heard in this this passage reflect what we're talking about. Now, if you're like me, you might be a little confused because Jesus says this, he says, if you want to come unto me, you must receive me like a little child. And so we're kind of confused. Say, wait a minute, Paul. You, you, here's Jesus talking about, about being like a child, and you're talking about putting away childish ways. What, what, you get, what are you getting at? Well, in looking at this passage that Jesus is talking about, the key words there are what the word for child is, is the, is the word for the youngest of children, a small toddler or a babe. And he says there, you receive like a child. So what Jesus is talking about in this passage is that like a small baby has to receive everything from his parents, so too is that's how we receive the love of God. Any of y'all that are parents out there know that a child has to receive food and receive nurture and receive clothing. And even as the child gets a little older and, and it, it, you know, thinks it's a little independent, it's still going to say, "What, well, daddy, can you help me tie my shoe? Mama, can you fix me a peanut butter sandwich? Or when they get a little older, pop, can I have 20 bucks? You know, it, th- those, those things are part of what it means to be a child to receive that. And so just like a small child, receives nurture, receives care, receives food, so too we receive the love of God. We accept it. It just comes to us. It's a reality that is there. When I was studying at Emory University, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, whose death we we mourned just a few months ago, happened to be there on sabbatical. and It was so fun to see him around campus because he wore a royal purple running suit all over the place and white tennis shoes he's about that tall I mean but there what a lot of power packed in that man and he would come lecture at, at our classes it was great and I remember the lecture he talked about the nature of God he said God is infinite you can do can you add anything to infinity no can you take away anything from infinity no love of God is like that. It is infinite. You can't take away from it. You can't add to it. It is just there. And all you can do is accept it and receive it. Isn't that beautiful? It's a reminder of our great Wesleyan belief in prevenient grace where we believe so much in grace that grace is poured upon children even before they realize it. It just surrounds them. Just like a child when it needs food it's fed. When, when a child is fussy, she gets comforted. When a child is dirty, he gets cleaned up. And he didn't realize this stuff has happened, and it just happens. That's the way it is with the love of God. And we all we can do is receive it like a helpless, innocent, young baby. That's what Jesus is getting at. But what Paul is talking about is this. He says that so many Christians in this Corinthian church are acting like that baby. They're not growing. They're not maturing. They've got a baby bottle faith. And all that they're doing is soaking in these things and not doing anything to express love outwardly. Paul uh, says in Ephesians chapter 2, you are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ. But what so many Christians are doing in Corinthian church and maybe even today is just they're receiving and not maturing. They're not growing. In a Bible study that I led in, in one congregation, there was a, we were talking about growing in our faith and doing good works and trying to improve ourselves. And there's one old fellow there, and he's quite a character, He said, I don't know about doing all those things. All I want to do is make the cut, you know. Any golfers out there, you know what I mean? Yeah. As a golfer, I've never made the cut, by the way. Um, All he wanted to do was receive. All he wanted to do is care about himself and getting to heaven. And Paul is saying, that's not the nature of love. In fact, he chides the church in Corinth earlier in this, this great letter saying that you have been, I've been feeding you milk. You've been receiving like a young child. I can't give you solid food because you cannot grow and mature in your faith and in your love. So the Apostle Paul in this writing, in this, in this letter uh, talking about love says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and even I love like a child. Now, there's a lot of great things about children and, and, the, and what they say. Uh, children, I say some of the cutest things, don't they? Oh, mama, I love you. Oh, daddy, uh, you, you're my favorite. It was like a, a, a little girl, uh, one time her mama was sick and, and she knew that her mama wanted some tea. And, and so she brought some tea back to her mama and she, and she was there beaming and his mama was sipping the tea. And, and uh, the mama decided to ask, well, how, how did you fix it? She said, oh mama, I, I, I got the water going, but I couldn't find the tea strainer. So I used the fly swatter. <laughs> and the mama spit the tea out. You use a fly swatter. She said, oh, don't worry, mama. Don't worry, mama. I, I didn't use the new one. I didn't want to get it dirty. I used the old fly swatter. You know, sometimes children in their innocence say some wonderful and cute things that make us laugh and smile. But what Paul is getting at here is the unfiltered nature of sometimes our speech. It sounds so childlike. You go on the playground and someone calls one child a name. and He's going to retaliate back, right? The one person says one thing and they're going to escalate the argument. It sounds kind of like what we hear in a public discourse now, doesn't it? And there's many a public speaker that after saying something that they wish they hadn't said and and spewed out something that was just on their tongue out of their emotion, we'll come back a little bit later. So I misspoke, right? How many of us have been there? What the Apostle Paul is saying, echoing Proverbs 21, where it says there, keep your tongue and therefore keep your integrity. Or echoing the book of James later on, say, says this He who can bridle the tongue has mastered a great thing. The Apostle Paul is saying to us, How are we speaking? Is it unfiltered, or is it filtered through the lens of love? Now, Paul didn't have to deal with social media, did he? <laughs> didn't have to deal with the internet, or Facebook, or Twitter where people can anonymously spew things out. But we have to ask ourselves in this day and time of technology, when we are online or when we are making comments or when we are posting things, are they being filtered by love? That's what Paul's talking about here. He also says there's something about mature love that will say the hard thing Also, in the book of Ephesians, he he talks about speaking the truth in love. And sometimes love has to say the hard thing. I don't know about you, but I like to be liked. Anyone out there like that? You know, I I like to be liked. Yeah, we got one person. Everyone else doesn't like to be. Yeah, yeah. We all like to be liked, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But sometimes in the nature of love, because we care about somebody, well, sometimes we do say the hard thing, don't we? Or we have to. And I know I am the last person in the world to say the hard thing sometimes because I want to be liked. I don't want anyone to think bad of me. I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You've been there? But Paul talks about speaking the truth in love for the betterment of somebody, saying things in, compa- in compassionate ways, knowing that if we don't, that person won't become all that God is intending it to be, or if we don't speak, that person is being hurt. One place where I worked, uh, there was a man who rode his bike to work most every day. And it was good for his budget. And it was good for the environment, but it wasn't good for the environment of the office, if you know what I mean. Remember where I have lived. It's sometimes not the coolest place. This guy came in and, well, he didn't smell the best. And people in the office were talking about him. And no one wanted to go to lunch with him. And no one wanted to stay in his office a long time because, well, as I said, environment there wasn't the best and so when I heard people talking about him and and, uh, deriding him and things like that i swallowed hard and prayed a lot and I went in and said you know you might want to clean up after you take your bike ride into work every day because people are talking did he like that no was he mad at me for a while yes did I like doing that no. But in the end, he thanked me. Because he realized that what he had been doing was causing dissension and it was hurting him and causing people to talk behind his back. Now, I hear tell that uh, sometimes church folks like to talk about people rather than talk to them. Is That, uh, that may be just churches in Alabama, but, you know, mature love. When there is a difference, speaks the truth so that things can be worked out and that a compassionate tone can cause people to come together in the midst of division and events of disagreement and in the midst of things that need to change. That's mature love. That's self-giving love, willing to put yourself out there So that a relationship can grow stronger and be bound together. It ain't easy. But Paul says, I've put aside childish ways. Spoke like a child, I think like a child. You know, children have all sorts of interesting thoughts, don't they? Uh, And and they can, uh, you know, take something and let their imagination run with it. When we lived in a, a, a certain town, uh, I would go into the bathroom after our daughter, when she was small, took, took a, a bath, and the bathtub was still plugged out, and sometimes plugged up, and sometimes I'd forget about it. And this is an old parsonage and had old plumbing, so I had to reach my hand down in dirty, cold water and pull the plug out. It got disgusting. And I keep getting on to Anna Grace to, to cha, you know, unplug the stopper when she got out of the bathtub. It wasn't until years later, not too long ago, actually, when she said, you know, Daddy, why I didn't ever unplug the bathtub when we lived in that place? I said, no. She said, it's your fault. I said, why is that? You told us about the sewer squid. The sewer squid. And then I realized what I had done. Sometimes they'd hang around in the bathtub too long or stay on the potty too long. And I warned them that if they did that, the sewer squid would come and get them. And so she said, you know, Dad, I don't want that sewer squid to get me, so I don't plug the bathtub drain. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes kids think like that, don't they? They give in to some fears. They, they hear some comment, and, and they run away with it. Like, like a person I know that heard their mother say, well, go ahead and not eat your vegetables. It's your own funeral. And that kid became so scared of dying. You know? Same with us, isn't it? What we focus in on. We hear about somebody having a heart attack and, and immediately someone's going to say, well, well, did it run in the family? Were they overweight? Someone has cancer. It, it, were they a smoker? Or they get the COVID-19 and maybe get sick of it or die of it? Well, are they vaccinated? Or did they have an underlying health concern? We say those things because why? That's our fear coming out, isn't it? Because sometimes it, like children given to fear, so do we. And we look at the fear rather than the faith, and the love. We talked about at the very beginning of this series about who God is. God is love. And in that great chapter from 1 John, it also says this, perfect love casts out all fear. See, what mature thinking does is not focus in on our fears. And, and some would say, well, rely on your, focus in on faith. No, what John is saying to us and what Paul's saying to us So we focus in on the love of God, we cast out all fear. And when, when we are unafraid, then we can be free to love. Free to love when we give up our fears. Doing some of the things that Laura talked about in the video. And I think about in my own life, I, there was n- never someone more afraid to go into a prison to do ministry than me. And it's a scary thing to hear those bars clang behind you and know that you're locked in there with, with a bunch of folks that have done some bad things. But love compelled me to go. And it compels me to still continue to write to people in prisons in, in Alabama. See, fear keeps us from loving. Paul says, I have mature thoughts. I don't think like a child anymore who lets my, my, my fears run away. I focus in on God and God's love that casts out all fear. Speak, spoke like a child, thought like a child. I reason like a child. You know, can you think back when you're a kid and some of the things that you thought and your reasoning did any of your mom and daddies tell you that if you drunk coffee at a young age, you're going to stay short forever? Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you wonder that saw the midgets running around? Well, they must have drunk coffee when they were a kid or, or see a short person. Yeah, yeah, they're guzzling it down at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the reasoning we have, right? I, I used to think that the angels came down and, and took the little quarter that my dad gave me to put in the offering plate, that the angels actually came and took it up to heaven because we're giving it to God, right? I mean, that, that's the reasoning that, of children. We know we grow beyond those things through education and experience but what Paul is talking about here is what are we focusing our minds on what how, how are we placing our priorities are, are are we distracted by things in our reasoning because you know sometimes kids get distracted easily right and sometimes we do too Jesus talks about this in, in Luke chapter 9 when these people come to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to follow you anywhere you go. You know, we, we don't have to stay in the five-star hotel even. We, we can stay in, in a motel. Jesus said, you know, you're being distracted by your earthly priorities. You know, the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Another one says, let, let me take care of my family. Or another one says, let me bury my father. And, and Jesus said, no, you've got to be continually focusing on it, only on me. He says it in a different way when a merchant saw a pearl of great price and he gave up everything for it. What the Apostle Paul is saying, does our reasoning cause us to focus totally on love? In 2 Timothy, he warns Timothy and his church, don't get distracted by useless disputes and quarreling. Focus only on love. And we have to ask ourselves in our own minds, in our own reasoning, in our own thinking, do we get distracted by useless quarreling, bickering, and our differencing? You know, do we, in, through our reasons, deem people that are less than worthy of our love? Mature love casts the net broadly to include Everyone. Everyone. And as I think about the situation in our world right now with so much divisiveness in our country and any of y'all served in the military when I did, you grew to hate the Soviet Union. And all those emotions are coming back up within me. And I am praying through that to try to pray for love to prevail in the Ukraine Yes, we in our reasoning, mature reasoning, cast the, the love widely. Because as Paul says, everything else, everything else is going to disappear. He talks about the prophecies ending. He talks about our knowledge ending. He talks about speaking in tongues ending. He, he talks about this in a broad spectrum that everything that we do Everything that we achieve, everything that we accomplish will fade away. The only things that are going to remain, he says in the end, are faith, hope, and love. Your faith in Jesus Christ, the hope that you have of heaven. The sacrificial love that you've received from God through Jesus Christ and that we offer to the world. Those are the only things that are going to remain. And are we focusing in on that? If you signed up for the church's text service, and if you haven't, you can do so by going to the website. Today you read these words. The only thing that remains is sacrificial love. Are you acting like that this day? How's that going to affect the way you live? Because that's the only thing that's going to remain. Whenever I do a funeral, and I learned this from a wise pastor that preceded me, he said, never talk about someone dying and that they loved their family. No, they love their family. Because, you see, the love that we share with those whom we care about never ends. And that love that we receive from those who have departed reaches across the, the borders of eternity and our lives today. You see, love, sacrificial love, the love that Paul's speaking about, the love that impacts us and touches our hearts, that love that changes us and transforms us, that never, ever ends. I read a story a few years ago, and I don't remember much about the story, Uh, It was about two women. One was named uh, Lucy, who was an extrovert, and the other one uh, happened to be named Edith. And they were totally opposites in personality, but they were bound together in love for each other. Through some differences and hard times and a divorce and some of the hardship that caused, for 30 years they stayed together as friends, sometimes even when it was hard. And at the end of the story that I read, I got this quote from the writer Edith who was talking about her relationship and again she says this and with this I close real love is about fighting for something long after its flaws are laid bare it's about caring so deeply you have no choice but to place another's well-being above your own in that maturity love is not a feeling it transcends feeling Love is what allows us to be disillusioned and to somehow still believe. Love has a way of brightening even the darkest moments. That's mature love. That's a love that doesn't fade. That's a love that does not end. May that love be in you. And may others know about love, true love, never failing love. Because they know you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.